And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of weed by your bed. <laughs> Jelly Wings, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! <laughs> I will find proof. <laughs> I'm very easily startled, Mr. Finkerman. <laughs> I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this week's episode of Medical Stuff. You might notice that it is my voice opening the show, and it's my voice that you'll hear throughout the entirety of it. Mark is out sick. Um, not with coronavirus, though coronavirus is today's topic. So I can't do the nicknames. Uh, that's Mark's thing. He just, he pulls them out of his arse when we start uh, each episode and uh, nicknaming myself just seems, just seems wrong. Um, but with Mark out today, we are going to talk about what everyone is talking about and that is coronavirus or rather more specifically the COVID-19 virus that has been all over the news and spreading like wildfire across mostly China, but is now spreading to other parts of the globe. So last year, an outbreak of coronavirus was reported in Wuhan, China. That's a province in China. So since the virus has spread throughout China and in much smaller numbers, there's other countries around the globe, I want to say, including China, there's 29 countries in total. Uh, here in the U.S., where medical stuff is based, there have been 35 confirmed cases, though the United States Center for Disease Control is currently monitoring over... 800 people. Now, what I want to make clear here is that just because we're monitoring over 800 people, that doesn't mean we should expect 800 cases of coronavirus. In fact, uh, a person is monitored if they have symptoms of the virus and several factors that make them likely to be exposed, such as travel to China uh, or contact with someone who recently has. Because coronavirus symptoms are similar to that of other ailments, like the common cold, for example, this means that likely the vast majority of those 800 people, or PUIs that we're calling them, persons under investigation, will be negative for coronavirus. Currently, 35 people in the U.S. have tested positive in a lab, and over 100 are pending results, uh, and the remainder have all come back negative. So by and large, the majority of those 800 people do not have coronavirus. Globally, there have been 78,811 cases that are laboratory confirmed. Of those, 77,042 are in China. There's been 2,445 deaths that have occurred in China with all other countries currently totaling about 17 deaths. So as of right now, the disease is primarily impacting China, uh, which has been reporting around 1,200 cases, new cases daily. That varies. I mean, some days you'll see, you know, 100 new cases. Other days you'll see, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 new cases. So it, it truly has been uh, all over the place. So at this moment in time, roughly – and I'm going to caution ahead of time before, before I say this um, – because many of these cases are so ongoing, this percentage is is really, really not accurate uh, to the point that I, I actually considered edit, editing this out. But what that basically means is about 3% of all cases have resulted uh, in death. 
The reason this isn't terribly accurate is because coronavirus is spreading so quickly that a huge chunk of the current cases are still ongoing, and we don't know how those people are going to turn out. So this number could change drastically in either direction. It could be much less. It could be more, probably not, but it could be. So keep that in mind when you're hearing numbers about mortality rates. So Let's talk a little bit about what it is. What we're going to do is we're going to, talk, we're going to tell you exactly what the coronavirus is. We're going to tell you how dangerous it can be to an individual. We are going to talk about some rumors going around. We'll also talk about potential impacts it could have on society as a whole, what's being done about it. Uh, and really, we're going to answer the main question, and that is, should you be scared? And I'll give you a little spoiler alert. It is concerning. It is cause for concern. Probably not for the reasons you think it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it is cause for concern. So what is a coronavirus? So a coronavirus is nothing new. Uh, coronavirus is actually a family of viruses that cause cold and flu-like symptoms. And in fact, many people in the world have had a coronavirus and it likely presented as a common cold. In fact, you have likely, you listening to this, if you're an adult, you have likely had a coronavirus at some point in your life and you never knew the difference. It's pretty much just comes and goes like a common cold. So it's estimated by the WHO that the vast majority of people around the world have actually had a coronavirus infection and never knew it. So the specific coronavirus we are seeing now is being referred to as COVID-19. It's not the same virus that caused the SARS epidemic in the early 2000s, although that was a coronavirus and that is the same family. Uh, so why this one is so scary? What makes it worse? Why are we freaking out about this one? The biggest factor right now is the alarming rate in which it has spread. So this has been the fastest spreading coronavirus on record by a large margin. It prompted the first federal quarantine orders in the U.S. Uh, in 50 years, and that was when they restricted access to the U.S. by um, a group of U.S. passengers aboard a cruise ship. So symptoms, what kind of symptoms does it cause? Well, the symptoms of this coronavirus, COVID-19, are similar to other coronaviruses and the flu. You get fever, aches, coughing, mild respiratory distress. Those are all signs of COVID-19. So for this reason, the only true way to diagnose COVID-19 is through laboratory tests. You can't diagnose it through symptoms alone. It's not like Ebola. Like, for example, Ebola, when we had the Ebola uh, outbreak, which, again, coronavirus is spreading much, much faster than Ebola ever did. When we had the Ebola outbreak, the signs and symptoms of Ebola, uh, although it does start with some GI symptoms, it eventually does cause uh, a breakdown of internal organs and some other pretty unique symptoms to Ebola, which make it a little more easier to recognize than COVID-19. COVID-19 it's just pretty much a cold. So on average, it takes five to six days for the symptoms of coronavirus to appear after exposure, but it can take as long as 12 days or as short as 24 hours, which is a little bit unique for COVID-19 in the sense that we see more cases that are having a quicker onset of severe symptoms after exposure. So is it deadlier? Is COVID-19 any deadlier than any other coronavirus? So coronavirus, like other respiratory viruses, primarily cause death by causing pneumonia. Frequent and severe coughing lead to irritation of lung tissue. That irritation leads to inflammation and excess mucus production. This is enough to bring vulnerable patients to need respiratory support and can lead to respiratory failure, but it also can pave the way for additional bacterial infections on top of the coronavirus-caused inflammation and mucus production. 
So exactly how de- exactly how deadly COVID-19 is kind of remains to be seen. Its lethality is in that it spreads so quickly and can affect so many. It is not yet known if, once contracted, a person is any more likely to die from COVID-19 than any other coronavirus or the flu. That doesn't mean we shouldn't take extra caution, though. So the flu, for example, uh, is deadly in vulnerable populations, young, old, or the immunosuppressed. What is known about coronavirus is that it spreads fast and hits hard with severe symptoms onsetting quicker than other coronavirus types. So here's one of the things that I want to point out, and I'll probably point it out again as we go on here. Um, The flu is never given its due. The flu is actually super deadly. Uh, We don't really give it the respect that it deserves um, outside of the medical field. But for those of us, uh, like Mark and I were both paramedics, every time flu season comes around, we have a huge impact, uh, or there's a huge impact on the 911 system, particularly in nursing facilities or elderly communities where the flu is deadly because the flu can cause uh, respiratory symptoms. And when you have an an aging population that has respiratory disease, such as, uh, you know, uh, emphysema or congestive heart failure, which is actually a heart disease that has respiratory manifestation. But still, those populations getting another respiratory disease on top of that, it can and often is lethal. Many, many people die from the flu every single year. And so getting another uh, flu-like virus, getting a second flu that spreads faster and hits harder quicker, while for your average bear like me, um, I'm not a bear, but I'm a human. I'm a person. But anyway, uh, but for the average person like me, I probably won't be any sicker. But this has the potential to sweep through communities. We'll get onto the effects of society a little bit more later. But yeah, this is it deadlier to the individual? Possibly not. Deadlier to society? Likely so. So can it be treated? Yes-ish, but not really. There are no antivirals that have a known impact on COVID-19. There's actually very few antivirals that you'd give for any coronavirus. Uh, Though China is trying to rush some clinical trials, and this is uh, involving some existing antivirals, there's a buzz about trying to develop a unique medication uh, for COVID-19. But as of right now, treatment's largely supportive, meaning that treatments are going to revolve around relieving symptoms and, should the virus become severe, supporting vital organ function. That's what most of the treatment is right now. So to circle back around to why this is deadly, let's talk a little bit about pneumonia again. Inflammation and increased mucus production from bacterial infections can be combated with antibiotic, whereas inflammation caused from COVID-19 can essentially only be remedied uh, with steroids, which really doesn't do anything for the virus itself. So it just really, it, it alters the outcome of the body's immune response in the lungs. So what it comes down to, what it really boils down to is what's going to have more staying power, the symptoms from COVID-19 or the drugs that are given to combat those symptoms. Majority of people out there, the medications and care they're going to receive in the hospital is going to outlast the COVID-19. But there have been a few cases, um, around 3% so far, and again, that number is really loose, um, of people where the COVID-19 just did too much damage. So uh, are you at risk? Am I at risk? Uh, You are most likely fine, unless you live in China or now South Korea and Italy. 
Uh, COVID-19 is currently in 29 countries and the 28 that are distinctly not China only account for about one and a half percent of the total total global infections. That number is admittedly climbing, though. So both the WHO and the United States CDC has given praise to China for controlling the outbreak. The Chinese government has even managed to keep it restricted mostly to the Hubei, pro, uh, Hubei or Hubei province uh, in China, which Wuhan is within that uh, province. Earlier I said Wuhan was a province. I believe Wuhan is a city, um, and it's in the Hubei province. Anyway, so prevention. Right now it's good old warm water and soap. Uh, if you're in a high-risk area or near someone with symptoms, the CDC recommends a face mask. The CDC does warn, however, that air hand dryers are not going to kill the virus. As far as preventing the spreading on a global level, this is going to require a number of different things. So first, identifying dangerous areas can help uninfected countries limit travel to and from those areas uh, because without contacting a sick person, the virus is not able to spread. So... This is going to become more difficult uh, as countries with less stringent control measures or underprepared health organizations fail to report or recognize the infection, and that's going to mask hotspots from the rest of the world. COVID-19 is kind of steadily reaching that point. Uh, I'm going to talk about why in a little bit. So what are some of the rumors out there? So first rumor is COVID-19 is deadlier than other coronaviruses. Well, so not exactly. As I mentioned earlier, COVID-19 is going to spread much quicker. Uh, The actual chance of dying from this disease isn't proven to be any greater than any other coronavirus at this point. Uh, Another rumor, this was contracted from animals. This isn't known. Uh, So while it is true that the coronavirus family does frequently infect both humans and animals, it is not known if that is how COVID-19 was actually contracted, if that was an animal-to-human jump. So uh, next rumor, it can only be contracted from animal-to-human contact. That's blatantly not true. Based on what I just said, uh, most of the exposures for COVID-19 have actually been human to human. So next up, uh, people in China are successfully treating this by drinking traditional teas. Absolutely zero evidence to support this. Uh, That rumor has popped up on a few natural health forums. I've voiced my concerns with much of the natural health movement. I don't believe that all natural health remedies are bad. I just believe that many natural health remedies lack Uh, any evidence that they work at all and instead rely more on placebo than anything else. And people can often cross into dangerous territory where they try and treat uh, real diseases with unreal or fake medications and wind up worse off. So, and this is one of those cases where I would have concern that people would try and drink herbal teas to combat uh, an infection and unknowingly infect their community. So, Next rumor, receiving a package from China can give you the coronavirus. This is also not true. Uh, The virus dies pretty quickly outside of the host. Another rumor, this is having a substantial economic impact. Right now, this is untrue, but it can become true. It is having an uh, an economic impact on some areas of the tech industry due to factories shutting down temporarily due to quarantines. Uh, Whether or not this will have a lasting effect is yet to be seen, but there certainly is some potential. Also, I'll highlight that a little bit more later. Uh, one of the areas that's uh, having some impact is um, uh, electronic devices such as, I, I believe, Apple recently 
had a press release where they had some concerns over their ability to maintain production demands due to factories sh- uh, shutting down in China. And the factories are shutting down for a number of reasons. One is local quarantine is preventing travel uh, into and out of the areas. And in other cases, and for the most part, you just have people that are just calling out sick to work because they have coronavirus symptoms, plain and simple. So, and that's going to slow down production. And what ends up coming with slowed production is increased pricing uh, due to limited availability. More often than not, what you end up seeing in these cases is you'll see retail prices won't change, but the but the item will not be available. And if you want it, you got to go on eBay and you know pay quite a premium uh, over it. Uh, so, let's talk a little bit about what was in the news today. So I also want to point out that I started writing this in the middle of the week last week, and almost everything that I had written uh, in a short, probably three to four day time span, completely outdated. I pretty much had to come in and rewrite uh, the whole thing, including everything we're about to talk about Italy and South Korea. So I'm going to mention Italy. Well, let's actually, let's actually talk about South Korea. So South Korea is experiencing an outbreak right now. And that is true. South Korea is now the second most infected country as cases soared over the last week to about over 600 cases. And now there's five deaths uh, in South Korea. I want to point out that uh, when I was writing this uh, about you know four hours ago, it was 500 cases. And then I went and checked the latest situation report. And I'll talk about that uh, those in a bit too. I went and checked the latest situation report from the WHO and it had already gone over to 600 cases. So this is concerning regarding South, uh, the concern here regarding South Korea is that its numbers are now high enough that it's becoming hard to track the origin uh, of it, uh, of infection for people. So uh, let's talk about Italy a little bit. So Italy has quarantined a small village. That's a rumor coming out. This is true. Actually, they've locked down three towns in Italy. And Italy is now the third most infected country with 152 cases and three deaths as of today's episode. Note, 24 hours ago, uh, as of 2.23, 8.29 p.m., uh, there were only 30 reported cases. So this kind of ballooned overnight. And this uh, this kind of ballooned overnight in Japan was the third most infected country, and they have now been overtaken uh, by Italy. So this marks the biggest hotspot outside of Asia. And one of the big concerns is with Italy uh, getting these infections is that it's going to be able to spread uh, throughout the European Union. Uh, One of the – and this starts to get a little political. So uh, as a general practice on medical stuff, we try and stay away uh, from getting too political – uh, but this does kind of bring up an old debate uh, with travel in the European Union, uh, Italy being part of the European ugh, Italy being part of the European Union. Um, it does make it easier to travel um, from Italy to other European Union countries. And there's a concern that because of this ease of travel, it's going to be ease of travel for the virus uh, as well. How true that is, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and and debate that, whether or not uh, being able to legally move somewhere is really having an impact on people physically moving around the European Union. But that said, uh, there is some concern regardless of physical movement through the European Union. Um, you know, it, it's one thing like over here in the United States, there's a lot of water between us and China. And so we're able to more easily monitor um, infected people uh, coming in. When you're talking about Europe and the rest of Europe from Italy, 
there's a land connection. So you have roads, railway, uh, buses, anything can people could really, if they get what they want to, they could walk across, uh, walk across borders. So that's the concern is that with Italy uh, getting an infection, uh, getting, you know, some uh, episodes of COVID-19, there's concern that this is going to basically open the floodgates for COVID-19 to enter into Europe as well. So, uh, final rumor here, we're all going to die from this. That's 100% true. Farewell. No, uh, it's not. But bottom line, to answer the question on all of our minds, should we be scared? So, while fear by itself is never productive, uh, we should be concerned about this. So, in some cases, the media does appear to overreact. Uh, that's either due to a misunderstanding of numbers or a need for clicks and viewership. Uh, but the media, us included, on medical stuff, uh, the media is justified in its concern for the virus. And what I mean by some of the misunderstanding of numbers, I have seen a few reports where people are saying, you know, there are 800 people in the United States are suspected of having coronavirus. Well, what they're referring to is the PUIs, the people under investigation. They're having a misunderstanding of that number, and they're not reporting the complete data set. It's like, yes, there have been 800 people who have been people under investigation. The majority of those have been tested and turned out negative. So that's what's kind of being missed there. But that being said, like I mentioned earlier, um, the flu is nothing to take lightly. So Again, while this virus is not believed to pose any more of a threat to any individual over any other coronavirus or flu, it does appear to pose a threat. It does. It definitely poses a threat to the elderly uh, and the immunosuppressed and the young, and it does make people really sick. Uh, as paramedics, Mark and I could both tell you that the flu season has an impact on ambulance availability. It has an impact on the healthcare system as a whole. There was the neuro outbreak uh, not too terribly long ago that caused ERs to be overloaded and people were having to wait for ambulances. And in both those cases, people who were not ill from norovirus or people who are not ill from the flu every year are ultimately impacted because, you know, if you're ill from something else or there's a car accident, but all the ambulances are going to nursing homes and shipping out people with the flu virus or with norovirus, you're going to have to wait for them. And you might think, why are we using ambulances for people with the flu? Well, like I said, the flu can be very lethal in certain populations in nursing homes. And in nursing homes, you have a bunch of people compacted into one space and viruses spread like wildfire there. And a lot of the elderly communities in the nursing homes in our area do a very good job of putting up warnings. But there's also something that we have to think about as paramedics, and I'm going to brush on this. Ella, let's go into this now. Uh, one of the ways that disease can actually spread in a community is through ambulances, through ambulances and hospitals. Uh, the thing about ambulances is they go to these nursing homes and we go to all the sick people and all the sick people jump in the ambulance and they're, the disease gets all over the place. And we do our best. We do our absolute best to sanitize and wipe down in between calls but you can't be 100%. You are going to miss something. You may get it on yourself and not even realize. And then you go to the next patient who has never been exposed to the person who had it, and they get it off of something that's on the paramedic or that's on the gurney or that's in the back of the ambulance. The paramedic may never get sick, and so it can be hard to track down. So that's going to move right into 
why it's so concerning when the virus starts to leap to other countries. So one of the hardest parts about it leaping into South Korea and Italy is that it gets very difficult to track the country of origin as it starts to spread to other countries. And that is one of the main ways that we as a society are able to defend against it over here in the U.S. is that we say, all right, we're going to have these 800-some people that we know went to China that now have symptoms, and we're going to go ahead and quarantine them and watch them. Well, all of a sudden, you know, South Korea suddenly explodes. They're up over 600 uh, cases. Well, how many people did you let in from South Korea over the last three to four days? Like I said, remember, coronavirus can usually sits on five to six, but you can be symptom-free for up to 12 days and not know it. And like I said, Italy went from a zero, like almost zero-risk country, some 30 exposures. Hell, we had 35. We have 35. Italy went from 30 to 130 in under 24 hours and five deaths. So how many people did you let in from Italy? And this is the danger of the virus jumping from country to country is that it gets very difficult for even those of us that have uh, a large water barrier. It gets very difficult for us to screen people coming in to limit the flu, to limit this virus uh, coming to us. So it's entirely possible that the coronavirus can have an impact on the healthcare system. And quarantines can impact the economy negatively. So we have to consider, we also have to consider those that get sick will likely not be going to work. As this, and so this can then in, temporarily impact businesses. It can snowball. And yes, that doomsday scenario in your head, I'm sure, uh, is playing out where, <coughs> that's not coronavirus, I promise, uh, where, you know, people get sick in the nursing homes and that gets to a paramedic and that spreads to, the mall and then the mall has to shut down and then people are without jobs and then they're without jobs. So houses start foreclosing, which in turn impacts the healthcare system because now no one has insurance and then everyone else gets sick and then we all just have the flu. Keep in mind, a lot of this is speculation at this point. Um, also keep in mind that this could be one of those things that, I mean, remember the Ebola outbreak has spurred a lot of research into Ebola and now there are uh, a lot of up-and-coming treatments for Ebola that may eventually lead to the end of Ebola, uh, or at least the end of Ebola outbreaks. And COVID-19 may be headed down that same path, because right now China, which is a very, China is a world power at this point, and so you have China is dumping a ton of resources into looking for uh, some treatments, as are other world governments uh, as well. So the best thing you can do right now is cancel all your travel plans and wash your hands and buy a bunker. Uh, also, where do you get more information on coronavirus? Or more importantly, where do you get accurate information on the coronavirus? Right now, the best website is going to be, well, you should also pay attention to your home country's uh, health organizations. You know, For us here in the U.S., that's going to be the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. They're going to have the most up-to-date information on what's going on in the United States. Uh, however, they are reporting to the WHO, and the WHO is going to have a very good uh, depiction about what is going on in uh, in the world. And you can kind of see how it's spreading across uh, the world and try and figure out if you are indeed at risk or not. So what you should do is just go ahead and hop on. Uh, I use Google. I don't use Bing. 
and just Google COVID-19 or probably even coronavirus. And within the first page, you will see a help and information um, outcropping or a little, uh, I guess, a help, health and information banner, if you will. And the very first thing at the top, it says uh, it's from who.int forward slash emergencies. And that'll be the Corona advisory information. So if you click on that, that's going to lead you to the World Health Organization's coronavirus disease, uh, COVID-19 advice for the public. And it's going to have everything from how to use masks to busting common myths, uh, advice for the public. But it also has on the left-hand side a tab called situation reports. The situation reports are daily reports on how the virus is growing. So if you were to go to situation reports, and like right now the latest one is uh, situation report number 34, uh, you would be able to open that up and you can see uh, where it is spread uh, up to date. And you can scroll down. You can see they have uh, how far it's spreading in China, outside of China, the number of deaths uh, that are involved, how many total countries. You can take a look at it by um, by provinces within China, which is where most of the data is, uh, where a lot of accurate data is coming out of. Uh, you can also go down and see every single country and how many uh, how many they have listed there. So you have, like I said, Republic of Korea is 602 uh, right now, and uh, they are the second highest, although uh, honestly, probably by tomorrow, that's, or by the time you're listening to this, it could be closer to the 700 number. And there's lots of information on the WHO's site. One of the big things that, that I would say is that, um, yes, that this is concerning. We do need to worry about the spread of coronavirus, and it can have an impact. But this is also one of the things that you really need to start washing your hands with hot water warm water and soap, and wearing a mask, especially if you are a healthcare provider right now, start wearing a mask uh, now, especially around patients with respiratory disease uh, where they're coughing. It's kind of, I kind of look at it as this, uh, almost in the same way as I look at vaccines. Uh, Vaccines aren't just for you, they're for everybody around you as well. And it's important to keep in mind the health of your neighbors. So, uh, with that, that is what I have on coronavirus. Uh, understand that the information on coronavirus is going to change daily. You do need to protect yourself from it. It is concerning. It's probably not a doomsday virus that everybody thinks it is. Oh, there's also another rumor I'm going to address. Maybe I'll, yeah, there's another rumor I'm going to address. There is a rumor going around about a doctor uh, who worked at a local university here in the United States who is being paid money, uh, receiving money from China to do research uh, possibly in uh, the Wuhan area of China. And yes, he's a biologist. Uh, there is absolutely no evidence that he uh, invented or helped create uh, COVID-19. There is nothing that has been reported about COVID-19 that is anything but a natural progression of coronavirus within the coronavirus family. Um, that is just more conspiracy theories uh, that kind of lend to Nothing. So here, actually, let me get the full story on that one. All right. So from Snopes.com, there was a doctor named Charles Lieber. He was arrested for connection. Uh, It says that he was arrested for connection to uh, coronavirus. Uh, He was not arrested for connection to coronavirus. Uh, What had actually happened was Charles Lieber was arrested in January 2020 uh, for misleading federal authorities about funds he received from uh, Wuhan University of Technology, which is abbreviated to what? 
and his connections to a Chinese government-sponsored recruitment program for the university. <coughs> Excuse me. So the conspiracy theory uh, is that the new coronavirus was a bioweapon developed in a lab is entirely unfounded and has been dismissed by a lot of leading researchers, and Lieber has no known connection to that 2020 outbreak. So uh, Lieber's arrest was big news in like academic uh, circles, but once some internet users noticed the alleged funding was coming from University of Wuhan, China, the center of an outbreak, Wild speculation went viral and unfounded connections were drawn between Lieber and a conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was a lab-made bioweapon. What he was actually doing, or at least what it appears that he was doing for Wuhan University, is he was um, scalping promising students uh, from – and this this apparently he was a chair in Harvard University's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology. Um, He – Hang on a second. Yeah, it looks like what he was doing is he was uh, basically taking the, some of the top talent out of our own universities and shipping them over into uh, into China. Um, and he was getting a kickback from uh, the Chinese government uh, for doing that. So, yeah, it, there's no there's no connection to anything. Uh, the, re- the exact reason he was arrested was that Libra was a chair of the Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Harvard University, and he was also the principal investigator of the Libra Research Group. Uh, because this group had received grant funding from, a national, uh, from the National Institute of Health and the Department of Defense, Libra was required to disclose any funding he received from foreign governments or entities that could lead to conflict of interest. The Department of Justice alleges in its complaint that Lieber became a strategic scientist at Wuhan University in 2011 and that he was a contractual participant in China's Thousand Talents Plan, a government program aimed at recruiting and cultivating high-level scientific talent. So the DOJ says that Lieber was arrested for lying to investigators about his involvement in that program and his affiliations with WUT. So that's really what it was, is that he was arrested for scalping – uh, for scalping talent. And this was for something he did back in 2011. And then he didn't disclose, uh, and I apparently also did in 2018 and part of 2019 uh, as well. Or actually, no, in 2018, 2019, he lied to the government about his involvement in the plan. And then on or around April 2018, during an interview with investigators, Lieber stated that he was never asked to participate in the Thousand Talents program, but he wasn't sure how China categorized him. In November 2018, the uh, NIH inquired of Harvard whether Lieber had failed to disclose his then-suspected relationship with WUT and and China's Thousand Talents plan. Lieber caused Harvard to falsely tell the NIH that Lieber had no formal association with WUT and that after 2012, the WUT continued to falsely exaggerate his involvement with WUT in subsequent years and that Lieber is not and has never been a participant in China's Thousand Talents plan. He was a participant in it. Um, He did receive funds from the government. He never disclosed those funds. And he said he wasn't a participant in something that he absolutely was. That's what he got arrested for. And these are things that occurred. Let's see. They have exact things. He had a three years. He actually, so it turns out he did have a contract with the Thousand Talents uh, program. It was a three-year contract. And uh, WT paid Lieber about 50,000 USD per month, living expenses up to 1 million Chinese uh, currency, uh, which is approximately 158,000 USD at the time. And he was awarded more than 1.5 million USD to establish a research lab at WUT. 
In return, Libra was obligated uh, to work for WT not less than nine months a year uh, by declaring international cooperation projects, cultivating young teachers and PhD students, organizing international conferences, and applying for patents and publishing articles uh, in the name of WT. And again, this looks like stuff that happened between 2011 and 2012. Uh, He lied about it in 2018. So there you go. That's that's the real story uh, behind the Charles Lieber, uh, the Charles Lieber conspiracy theory. So, anyway, that is it for medical stuff uh, this week. A little bit of a shorter episode. We've kind of had two shorter episodes back to back. Let us know. Let us know what you think about the length of the episodes. Uh, some people like them a little bit shorter. Some people like the hour plus long marathons. Uh, but hit us up. Let us know what you want medical stuff uh, to become and how you need to change. Go ahead and hit us up on our various social media websites. We are on Facebook at uh, Medical Stuff. You can also send us a an email. We are on uh, the email is medsitestuff at yahoo.com. And with that, we are toast. This doesn't have the same effect without Mark. Maybe we'll just edit Mark in. Maybe we'll try it again. And I'm toast. Toast.